Hey everyone, this is Kara Martin Snyder. I'm your host and salionaire here in Le Vital Core Salon. Let me do a little bit of a roll call. Do we have our frazzled type A's? Do we have our recovering perfectionist? Do we have our overscheduling addicts? Well, you're in the right place, people, because this is your virtual lounge where I interview different women across different industries about how they are getting through their day and not letting bullshit and burnout slow them down. And speaking of bullshit and burnout, whoops, I just said bullshit there. That's probably a good time to remind you that in this episode, we may drop an F-bomb. So I would say earmuffs for little ones and earbuds for you grown-ups listening. Wowie zowie, everyone. We have finally made it to May. And May is a really interesting time in my health and lifestyle strategy practice. It's a time where I'm seeing everyone sort of springing to life, like literally, it's spring, and people are coming out of their long winter slumber and kind of hibernation and taking on new activities and getting out more and getting outside more, and there's more movement and there's more energy. And, you know, like April, May, it like always feels like a good place, and then what I start to hear later in May and into June is women are picking up speed. Like, life is moving really fast, we're taking on new projects, we're getting out there, we're running around, we're doing more, and we're doing more, and we're doing more. And for, for people listening that are, that are parents, this is also a time of year where, like, kids are eventually going to get out of school for summer. And then, you know, I typically have seen with clients, the gears just kind of stop. Vacations start happening, schedules start changing, and everything starts going off-kilter, and out of orbit. I want to challenge some of you listening. This is what I work with with a lot of my clients when I work with them one-on-one. We look at how to have your lifestyle fit the changing circumstances of your life and also make sure you're taking care of yourself. And so I challenge those of you listening who really want to have a different kind of summer this year and not one that feels chaotic and all over the place, but one that feels intentional, where you feel centered and you feel like you're still taking care of yourself despite all the chaos happening around you. I want to offer those of you listening a little bit of a treat. It's a small discount on a Smart Start session. And a Smart Start is a one-off session with me, and you'll do some prep work, and I'll do some prep work, and we'll come together and we'll talk for about 90 minutes about where we can make some improvements so that you come away from the end of the session with two or three actionable items and points of focus that you can start implementing right away. If you want more details about the Smart Start, or you actually want to sign up for one, you can go to vitalcorewellness.com and click under work with me and you'll see a link to Smart Start. Check out that session. And if this is something you're interested in, I have a special offer for all podcast listeners who want to have a different summer. If you'd like to save 11% on the session with me, please use the redeem code, a different summer, all lowercase, all one word, And again, you can find the link to a smart start at vitalcorewellness.com and click on work with me and click on smart start. 
Okay, enough about vital core business. We're going to talk a different kind of business with automation addict and business streamliner Evie Hyman. So let me just start by saying Evie is a total pistol. This is probably one of the the most bullshit-free conversations I've had in a while. And she has some even, dare I say, quasi-controversial opinions that she she drops in her really like straightforward, matter-of-fact kind of way. I think this is a fun episode. So if you are interested in efficiency, if you are interested especially for entrepreneurs listening in how to have a business that is able to withstand, and I'll just say, even cancer, um, which was Evie's story and path to kind of doing the sort of work she does now. Also, we talk about how to cram 48 hours into 24, which sounds like it flies in the face of what we talk about here in the Vital Core Salon, but actually it might surprise you. So tune in. And enjoy the show. Here's the interview. Hey, Evie, welcome to the Vital Core Salon. How are you today? Doing great. And hey, and thanks for having me today. I'm psyched. I'm psyched. You know, we as we got introduced by Lainey Sullivan, she just told me I had to meet you and to reach out to you and to get your story. And kind of just left it at that. And I have to say, like, the little bit that we've gotten to connect since then and some of the stalking I've done, I cannot wait to hear more about you today. I don't know why she would say people have to meet me. It's like, it's not that big a story, is it? (laughs) I don't know. You you seem pretty awesome. So Thank you. And Evie, these days, just professionally... I fell in love with your title of automation addict and business streamliner. Can you talk a little bit about what you do and how you came to do that work? Uh, I'm happy you love that because it took me about two years to come up with it. (laughs) What I do nowadays is just as those two descriptions say, I help people make their business work for you. One of my biggest buttons is wasting time. I hate wasting time with a passion. So what I do is I help people get processes into place and find the right tools and things that are out there to save you time, whatever that means in that specific case. Got it. So are you typically working with entrepreneurs, small business owners or larger businesses as well? Um, from what I do, it's more the small to medium-sized um, businesses, the the big businesses with many hundred employees. They usually have their systems in place. They are not as flexible at changing that I like to do. And so it's a small to medium-sized business owner. It's the solopreneur. It's the entrepreneur that has maybe a couple associates that they're working with or a handful of employees and most of them do work online. Got so it. That, those are the ones that I that I usually work with. Got it. So you're coming in and kind of assessing what their systems and processes are and then matching them up to tools and sort of re-engineering the process as well? Pretty much. So one, one of the easiest way to explain what I'm doing is you are already doing it. I wouldn't need to help you. Um, one of the 
biggest time eaters is scheduling clients, no matter if it's for calls, if it's for appointments, if it's for meetings. We waste so much time with emails going forward and back and forward and back, and we spend pretty much half an hour just to schedule a 15-minute phone call. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you are using my favorite scheduling tool, Acuity, and it's it's a lot of people don't even know about that possibility. It's like, hey, by the way, here you can see my calendar. Go just schedule yourself on, on my calendar and we'll get it all set up. Perfect. And a lot of people don't even know that. And we'll, we'll start there and take it even to higher levels. So going through the actual client intake, for example, there is always a process behind this. There's always something that is always going to be the same, always going to be the same questions. So we set processes up for that. We set automations up, certain email templates, whatever is needed at that point. So whatever is always the same, we'll set up as a template and a process so you don't have to reinvent the wheel every single time you do that. Nice. So you're you're looking to build efficiencies in for people. And it's mm-hmm. it's so funny, Evie, that you zoomed in on my use of acuity because I don't know, you probably would have no way of knowing this about me, but scheduling times to meet people, like when it's in back and forth in email, it it almost like makes my blood pressure, like my blood boil. It like adds no value to your day, but takes like several emails and like back and forth coordination and then waiting. And then somebody else wanted that to meet you at that time and you have to move, but you haven't heard from the other person. It was something in the early years of my business. I really was like, I don't know how to do this without making it completely impersonal, but it's like the cost to my business and to my life and what I was spending just scheduling people, like to your point, like spending a half an hour or more to just, you know, have a 20 minute phone call with someone was bonkers to me. Yes. And that's, that's exactly, that's the first step where I usually start with clients that have not made the step yet to go into a scheduling software. And I'm in there with you with the boiling blood thing. Again, one of the worst buttons for me is wasting time we don't have much of it and it's like you know my behind the scenes story a little bit with losing Pete that whole wasting time and knowing that tomorrow is not given has really become a big red button for me and to a fault at times (laughs) but yeah it's yeah it just it just baffles me um often enough, even for myself, where I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing it this way when I could just spend five minutes on setting something up and have the streamlined and not wasting the next two hours reinventing the wheel again? I just did that yesterday. So, yeah, it's it's one of my big red buttons. And Evie, do you mind sharing so the listeners are on the the same page as me in terms of your story and and really and Pete's story as well? So um, when I came to the States 10 years ago, shortly after that, I met um, Peter Oaks, who later on became my business partner, then my fiance and husband. And the inspiring part of that, the important part of thing that has changed me a lot was he was fighting cancer for the last two years that I got to know him and I 
had to pretty much drop my business off and just be a caretaker for two years. And just learning out of that, that we all know life is not a given and tomorrow isn't promised, but it seems like we need a trauma situation like this to really realize hey, tomorrow is not a given. Go move your butt. Go do the things that you want to do and just live life, whatever that means to you. And that whole two years of really just focusing on taking care of him and all of that and realizing that life has an expiration date, yeah, that's that's where my red button comes in of wasting time or doing new things or just going for whatever I want to because if you don't try, it's always a no. And yes, it's yeah. So Evie, this is an incredible story. I mean, here you are. You you moved from Germany. Mm-hmm. You moved from Berlin, correct? I used to live in Berlin as as a kid and. How old was I? Around 14, 14 to 18, something around there. And then before I came to the States, I actually also did a pit stop in Bavaria. So I was I was a little bit all over in Germany. My parents thought it was funny constantly moving. <laughs> did you find that as funny? <laughs> as a kid, not, not really, because I was always the outsider. I was always the odd one out. So they had the perfect timing of when I finally found friends and felt comfortable, that was the time they wanted to move. So yeah, as a kid, I didn't like it too much. So how do you think that's shaped you? Funny, Funny you ask that because I was just talking with a friend about that. I think it has shaped me in a way where I make things work. The combination of being an East German, grown up in East Germany, where you just had to make things work and come up with ideas to make things work, as well as constantly moving, I think has gotten my personality to a point where I can leave Germany and just move into a different country. It's like it's really not that big a deal. But also dealing with situations and just facing things head on. It's like, okay, that's that's where I am right now. Let's figure this out and let's make it work. And not just make it work. Let's make it efficient, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it sounds like you had this childhood where you were like bouncing around and having to having to adapt, having to be in flux a lot. And then you decide to move to the United States. How did that happen? that was actually one stupid comment. I was, at that point, I was in Bavaria. I had my own little pub. Yeah, pub describes it the best. And my first husband's cousin comes to visit. His mom was out of the area in Germany, and um, his dad was American. And there was a lot of going on in Germany at that point. Um, They came up with a non-smoking law and just things happening that did not work in favor of my business at that point. And we talk about that and his cousin is like, okay, if if Germany is so crappy, why don't you move to the States? And that was pretty much it. (laughs) Three months... Three months later, I came over to visit for, we came over to visit for two weeks, just checking everything out, cost of living and all of that fun stuff. And then, yeah... Um, February 2007, I grabbed two suitcases and my dog jumped on a plane and moved to the States. 
Oh my god. So pretty much kind of on an offhanded comment, you were like, well, mm-hmm. okay, I guess I'll give it a try then. I'm, I'm sick yeah, of this whole pretty, Germany thing. Uh, pretty much, pretty much. And um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's always interesting talking with people who are like, oh my god, you moved out of country. I'm like, believe me, it's really not that big a deal. Um, it can be just as stressful and frightening moving from California to Nevada as it is moving from Germany to the States. It To a person itself, it can be just as stressful and, and just as frightening. And in the end, all it is, it's the unknown. It's the unknown that freaks us out. The actual doing is really not that difficult. So how did you get comfortable with the unknown or is it something because you moved so much as a kid like it it didn't it didn't register as as big and scary to you oh it registered as big and scary but I'm also somebody who has let's call it an ego yeah I would call it an ego (laughs) of the you're not gonna get me this is this is something fancy everybody else wants to do it and you know what I'm gonna do it and just overcoming that fear, I try to actually do that on a regular basis. Jumping out of a perfectly fine plane. Did that two years ago. Freaked the living heck out of me. I can believe it. <laughs> but you know what? Once I'm there, I just do it. It's it's the, uh, yeah, the fear is there. The, 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 oh my God, what am I doing? It's It's all there. It's not that I'm not afraid but I'm not going to let that rule me. It's one step at a time. Just go ahead and do it. That fear is going to be gone because, again, it's just the fear of the unknown. Once you've done it, you know it, and it's not as frightening. And there's something about taking action, too. Like, you know, what strikes me as so interesting and honestly relatable to me, like when I I was living in Boston and working in Boston for my first couple of years after school and just feeling like this isn't the right fit for me. I, you know, I'm not totally sure where I'm supposed to be. And the opportunity to transfer to the New York office came up. You know, it was sort of like I was looking into transferring to New York or to London at the time. And I remember the woman in HR telling me, well, if you go to New York, we can have you there in about a month. And there's something interesting that happens when you're like, okay, that's a frightening proposition, but okay. And I think there was something really alluring to me about it where I wouldn't have to wait. And and even more, I wouldn't have to perseverate on the decision. It was like, okay, make the decision. And like next week, I got to go find a place to live. And Mm -hmm. it, it took away some of the stress. What was it like for you? I I totally agree with you. It's this far ahead planning out some big steps like that seems to be way more frightening. It's like you question your decision. Should you do it? Shouldn't you do it? So, yeah. And what I try to do is get into a situation where I have to make a decision now. Just do it. Just follow your gut and go for it rather than spending the next three months or five years of, should I do this? Shouldn't I do it? It's you never not you never gonna know if it's the right decision if you don't just do it and figure it out. There are 
a lot of books and a lot of tools that I have read and used that come down to just make a decision. <laughs> no matter if it's yes or no, just make a decision. If you just keep pondering on it, nothing is going to happen. Mistakes happen. You're going to decide, oh, that might not have been the right decision. Guess what? If you figured out that might not have been the right decision, at that point, you can adjust and make a different decision. If you're just pondering on it, there is nothing you can do about it. Yeah, and the the way you can talk yourself out of it, right? Like, oh, yes. The more time you have, the more all of like your safety valves in your mind, in your heart, and in your gut are like, oh, this is how it's going to go terrible for you. You know, X, Y, Z reason. And, you know, here's evidence of that. And it it can become paralyzing. And have you have you ever realized when especially when we are starting out our business, when we are not as secure in ourselves and what our business is, and we start looking at other people and how we then start questioning ourselves? Oh, yes. It's, for for <laughs> me, our brain does exactly the same thing or kind of like running through the Facebook feed of, oh, look at that perfect life and I want this and why am I not doing this? Uh-uh. Our brain does exactly the same thing as a Facebook feed. Shut it off and do something. Don't ponder on it. Just do. So it sounds like taking action is a big part of your process. But you also mentioned, I heard you talk about following your gut. And then also that you've looked into different tools. And I'm curious to hear how you balance that that sense of intuition with kind of rational thinking around decision making. Oh, my God. And you are talking to the German that overthinks everything. Yeah, <laughs> I, You're talking to a French-Canadian a... who overthinks stuff, too. So. Oh, my God. It took, yeah, it took me about... And I'm still... That is still one of my things that I'm working with my coach on. Um, trusting my intuition more than I used to. Um, I need proof for everything. And sorry, there is no proof for the universe working for us. No, actually, there is proof. Um when things are in alignment and suddenly everything you need just falls in front of your feet. But yeah, um, I'm kind of babbling right now. Um, yes, finding that balance is a big, big point for me because I know my gut and my belly does make the right decision, but learning how to make the difference between what the gut is telling me and what fear is telling me. So... Yes, the German in me that needs numbers and that needs proof is still there, but it's finally becoming a little more quiet and being able to listen to my gut. And finding that balance is, yeah, it's, it's a daily work and it's a daily exercise for me. And yeah, it's, I'm I'm constantly looking at at books and tools and things I can do to to just trust my gut better and take action. And yes, what when you mentioned I'm I'm somebody to just kick ass. <laughs> yes. Yes. It comes back to me um to my red button subject of wasting time. Um I have wasted myself way too much time by just thinking and planning and being the perfectionist that I want to be. Everything is supposed to be right and perfect. And I never got anything accomplished. 
So yes, <laughs> it's this just get GSD, getting shit done. And I am a big believer in that. And a actually a client of mine just pointed out to me um, the five second rule by Mel Robbins. Oh, tell me about and it. I, I don't know that. I didn't even realize that I'm doing it. I was really interesting listening into the audiobook and it happened to her pretty similar as it happened to me where it's like, oh my God, I'm actually doing this. And what she talks about is exactly that quit thinking about it and do something. So when an idea strikes and you're like, hmm, should I do that? You count down the five, four, three, two, one and do something. It is that countdown, so there are a few things that are happening in your brain, just like a rocket launching, and once you get down to the one, your body kind of reacts in the same way of, let's get shit done when you get down there. And she explains it way better than I do. But again, it comes down to the quit thinking, should I do this, should I, shouldn't I do this, should I do it this way or that way or tomorrow or yesterday? No. Just do. Just go for it. Make a decision. Do something about it right now, even if it's just a small step. We are not talking about completely revamping your business. Just make one decision now and go for it. And that's that's pretty much what she's talking about in the five-second rule. Got it. So to eliminate all of the perseveration and mm-hmm. the overthinking and all of that, just... I imagine some of the action items might even be like when you get an idea and you're in the middle of something else, just carving out time on your calendar, like Mm -hmm. put a dedicated bit of time on your calendar to make sure you have the space to do something, right? Yeah, yeah. And some some included stories that that are in the book is even people fighting their addiction, where they're using that five-second rule to fight their addiction because alcohol abuse often comes down to not being happy in your life, not being content. So they are counting down and doing something about that feeling rather than grabbing the bottle. So they, she has some some really interesting stories in there. And I am just halfway through right now. So I think that that definitely is a really great read if you are somebody like me or listen audio. Um, it's at, at, available as an audiobook too. Oh, awesome. Um, for and people I'll- like us that just overthink things. Yeah, and I'll make sure to to put a link to the book in the show notes too so people can grab it from there really easy. You mentioned how you hear your gut more now, like that that's a, a place of knowing in your body and that you hear it more. And you, you kind of mentioned the quiet. How do you find that quiet space in the day-to-day like what does that look like for you because I know that's something my listeners and many of which are recovering perfectionists and overscheduling addicts finding that quiet space is something that's almost laughable to people or feels totally impossible so what does that look like for you so for that I have two approaches um, when I get into the into the idea space of I have too much stuff in my head of I want to do this and this freebie and that email and that video and that podcast. At that point, I need to get it out of my head. It just I it just needs to get out so I don't keep thinking about it. 
and there are multiple things I have. It's if I'm on the go, I have my planner with me or here at home, I literally have a wall of whiteboards, a complete wall of whiteboards for different pieces of information. When I'm in a situation where I'm talking myself out of things and I'm getting into the should I do it, shouldn't I do it tomorrow, yesterday, or I'll be happy if I do this and if I accomplish that, we all do it sooner or later, I take my dog. I realize that I'm in that spiral and I know that spiral just goes one way and that's down and that is not productive for me. I grab the dog, I go out, and I throughout that dog walk talk to myself and affirmations. And initially I thought it's completely crazy. I'm telling myself I love myself and I'm awesome. <laughs> really? Seriously? But and are you doing this out loud? Are you like no, walking down the street no, mumbling out loud? No. I am still not to this day one of those and it sounds bad. I admire people that can do it, seriously. The whole chaka and yes, I can do this and jumping and arms in the air. I feel stupid doing it. And I admire everybody that has the self-confidence to do it. Um, no, I'm doing it quietly in my head, which quiets all the other voices and the combination of walking and walking the dog and not sitting in a chair and that, that movement in combination with the only voice in my head right now is telling me I'm awesome. By the end of the walk, I then grab one small job. I I am somebody, again, I need something in my hand to see, yes, I'm not just telling myself I'm awesome. I actually am awesome. I grab a small job that where I know I can accomplish that and I can accomplish that how I want it fast and be happy about it to reiterate that I actually know what I'm doing and that I am awesome to just sum up this getting myself out of that questioning myself spiral. I love this. Thank you for sharing this, Evie, because I think that is such, you've painted such an honest picture and I think what a lot of people experience, and I know for me, like, I have to get out and move. Like when I'm mm-hmm. feeling bottlenecked in the brain, it's I got to move. I got to I got to get outside. I got to do some Pilates. I got to even just jump on a trampoline for a few minutes, but like oh, I got to move. So I completely understand that. And I love that that you pair that with I'm just going to pick something really easy that's like I can totally be an A+ rock star at and and really hit a home run like while you're in that state so it's kind of like you psych yourself up and then you you actually give yourself a task that you can really succeed at as kind of evidence of your awesomeness in that moment and it's like yes I know I'm quote cheating myself because I'm using an easy task even if it's just getting my laundry done or finally mopping the floor it can be as simple as that but the, the feeling that you have afterwards of, yes, I just accomplished that, even though I know I cheated myself and it was an easy job, that, that yes, I got this done feeling is still the same. And being the person I am, I always need proof. And that is the last piece after quieting my brain that I need to get back into a state of, yes, I freaking can do this. 
And how does all, like, how does taking these steps translate into the harder projects, right? Like, so it's easy for you to say, like, this is how I get out of my head and this is how I get back in the game with an easy task, which I don't know if it's cheating. I think it's just setting yourself up for a small success, which is pretty (laughs) awesome. But then how does that translate when you're working on, like, a really hairy project or, you know, you're thinking about the the constraints and things that some of your clients need like you know where it, I, I think there's a similarity with the work that you're doing and the work that I do as a health and lifestyle strategist where we're given kind of like someone hands us a box of dots that are all not connected and we kind of have to figure out a way to connect them all in a in a really efficient and high functioning manner right Mm-hmm. And it it actually translates pretty easy with getting back into that feeling of, yes, I can do this. Um, I am not just a consulting, I'm a consultant. I am not just a consultant. I also do have a media agency. So I experience the same kind of trouble that a lot of my clients do with time management and getting things done and making clients happy, making sure my associates are on time and all of that. Especially when you suddenly get a swoop of work in and it's like, oh my God, how am I supposed to fit that many clients in a week? Going through that process of, okay, just breathe. You have 24 hours in a day and you can stretch that if you're in the right mind to 48 hours. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, tell me how (laughs) it's, it's to me, it is. And again, I needed to, I needed proof till I got to the point of, yeah, I actually can make 48, 48 hours in a day happen. It's a complete mindset. We manipulate ourselves often to the point of, oh my God, I can't do this. I will never, I never be able to get this done in time. Oh my God, how am I going to do this? And with that mindset, you suddenly actually speed up time and slow down your productivity because you're going to end up trying to find inspiration on Facebook or do this or do that. And you were working slower than you would if you would be in a point of, yes, I can do this. So when I get into this, oh my God, I have 10 clients this month and everybody needs a new website. How am I going to fit this all in? And and I'm starting to freak out. Take the dog, go out, come back home, do a small task, be in that situation of, yes, I can do that. And suddenly I get so much done that by the end of the day, I'm like, how did that just happen? (laughs) Hey, I actually can sleep in tomorrow morning. Wow. So, yes, I'm not, I, I haven't found a time machine that suddenly gives me 48 hours, but getting into that mindset of, yes, I freaking can do it, suddenly gets me so productive that it feels like I didn't work six or eight hours, I worked 24 or 36 hours. So, you just get more done, you are more productive, you are more focused, you don't look at the notification that just came in or what's happening on Facebook, you're just focusing on what needs to get done and you get it done, period. What helps you prioritize things in that moment? Because that's another thing that comes up in my tribes and in my circles where people are feeling like, you know, I have 
a hundred thousand things on my to-do list. And it's, you know, sometimes I, I hear about people sort of shuffling the to-do list where it's like copying over like what didn't get done yesterday to the next list and then or they've had five lists and now they're trying to figure out like which of the five lists to pick up. What helps you really just be able to hone in besides stepping back, like grabbing the dog and, and stepping out for a couple of minutes to just kind of reframe? Are there things that help you prioritize in the moment? Yes, and there is going to be a combination of tools. Um, Sarah Knight wrote a book called The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck. <laughs> um, Evie, she, you're my people. <laughs> uh-huh. And it's little, that is literally the title. I'm like, they, they start out the you and fuck, but yeah, it's literally the title. And... Um, even though I'm not a hundred percent fan of her writing and the specific stories, I love the overlaying message. And it comes down to really putting down lists of what you're giving a fuck about and what you don't give a fuck about. For example, I am, I'm not a mom. I'm a doggy mom, but I have, I love kids as long as they're not mine. As long as I can sugar them up and send them home, perfect. (laughs) With that, my personality, it's like, yeah, I can do a couple hours around kids and I love them to pieces at this point. But after a few hours, I get to the point of I can't do this. So on my not give a fuck list is baby showers where there's going to be a bunch of small kids. I love my friends to pieces and I would love to support them and I will support them by being there at I I've been at two births but I I'm not at the baby shower I am not necessarily babysitting I'm not going to be around when you have kids birthday I'm sorry I don't give a fuck (laughs) (laughs) but I'll be around for when you open up your business or your birthday or whatever so it helps you drill down in specific parts of your life, if it's business, if it's private, if it's family, to clear your mind and make sure and figure out what you care about and what you don't care about. That doesn't mean you don't like your friends because you don't care about the baby shower. But that means there is nothing you really, quote, it sounds bad, get out of it. So with that, having gone through that exercise, I easier can make a decision of what advances me and what doesn't. And by advance, I don't just mean puts money in my pocket or clients at my door. Um, I'm also looking at personal growth. What teaches me something new? Where can I experience something new? And where can I give my friends a positive um experience so with that I'm able to just make decisions easier then that feeds into okay which things do I have to do and which things don't I need to do because I don't need to be at a baby shower and not be happy it's not going to make you happy you have enough other people there that you can celebrate that with I will go out for coffee or something else That translates into work the same way. What do you really want to do? What's your goal? What do you care about? 
no matter if emotional or personal growth or your business, that's how my lists in my head start building off. What do I really want to do? What do I care about? The more I care about it, the higher it goes on my list. Also, you mentioned lists. I am a complete list person. It's like half of my whiteboards are full of lists. <laughs> I just and picture this wall like that movie, A Beautiful Mind. <laughs> like just words oh, everywhere. I'm happy to send you a picture of my wall. I would it's, love a picture uh-huh, for the post. <laughs> uh-huh, you'll, you'll get a picture of my, uh, of my wall. Um, my white wall is is a collection of my mind and I then actually translate that into my planner and I am still a pen and paper girl no matter how much I do digital planning and goal setting and tracking is all happening on paper and here (laughs) it's going to be a little sales pitch for myself I actually spent two years on building my own planner to do this nice Because I am, again, it's all about efficiency for me. And my personal life feeds into my business life, feeds into my to-do list, feeds into my tracking and all of that. And I wanted to have everything in one space. So I spent two years on developing this and actually getting it done and manufactured. And I'm personally, I don't use my planner to schedule. My scheduling all happens in my my Google calendar. It reminds me, it tells me, hey, by the way, you got to leave in 10 minutes. Perfect. I use my planner as a ready-to-go set-up version of a bullet journal. Got it. So, so you're doing the not only like the day-to-day task setting and things like that, but you're also doing the larger kind of how am I moving these projects forward. Exactly. And that's, that's how the planner is laid out. Um, with starting out with envisioning your life. What is the overlaying goal? So when I get lost in a day and I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this or should I do this or shouldn't I do this? I go back to my two pages of envision your life and I see, okay, does this still fit? Are these still the goals? Is this still the final point where I want to be? If not, I update those goals and then look at, okay, this is my to-do list today, what matches with my goals, and that moves up high in the list. So you're, using, you're keeping those goals front and center so you can use them mm-hmm. as a filter yeah. to help figure out the priority of the tasks that you're going to be accomplishing that day or making progress on that day. Exactly, because we all want to go somewhere, but if you don't know where you are going, you don't know which path to take. So again, it's like you can jump in your car and can just drive around. You might find some nice places and everything, but you have no clue where you're going to end up. So if you want to end up in a certain spot, you need to know what that certain spot is. Those are your goals. So if you know your goals and you've worked through that, and again, they will change. You will need to adjust. Um. But if you know where you are going, you can make decisions way faster and way easier because you can look at your goal and it's like, okay, does that get me closer to my goal or not? So you are not wasting time sitting there of, hmm, do I want to take that client or do I not want to take that client? Do I want to do this job? Should I go out with them for lunch? All of those questions suddenly get answered way faster because you know where you're going. 
So do you have a process on the on the daily? Like, is this something that you're looking at the night before as kind of planning for the next day? Is this something you're looking at in the morning to start your day? Like, how do you how do you make this actionable in your day? Because that's also something that stymies a lot of the women that I work with. Honestly, it changes. I have weeks where I'm on top of it. I have sat down on Sunday. I planned out my week. I know exactly what I need to get done. And then I have weeks where I just go day by day. That's just how life is. I'm like, and there, there are even times, again, I'm, I'm more than happy to send you some pictures where my habit tracking and my planning are images from Hawaii because I spent that week in Hawaii rather than doing anything for my business. Nice. So all of that, it, it goes through waves. Um, all I'm trying, the, the overlaying thing that, thing that always happens is I'm trying to do at least one step towards my goals. So if that means that day I'm going to take a nap and just binge watch a show on Netflix because I've worked my butt off last week and I need a break and my body says, hey, you need some sleep then that's what I'm going to do. And that gets me a step closer to my goal because that's exactly what I need in that moment. And then there are weeks where I am on it Sunday night. I'm sitting there. I'm starting to write everything down. What do I need to do? Who do I need to follow up with? I do my gratitude journaling in the morning. I have my focuses on there. I, I make sure I take my supplements and I track my water intake and I actually do my exercises. And then there are weeks where it's right in between. Pretty much all I'm looking for is movement. If it's going to be a big leap or a small step, doesn't matter because I'm going closer towards my goal. And it has taken me some years to not beat myself up for taking a day off. That was going to be my very next question, because hearing someone who's an avowed perfectionist or recovering perfectionist, that knowing when to take a break somewhere before you're completely fucking spent is something really difficult. Yes, because (laughs) you have in your head, oh, my God, I could do this right now and that right now and I still need to do this. No, no. Because I am not going to be as productive as if I just take an afternoon off, binge watch Netflix, get my energy back up and hit the ground running tomorrow morning. So having that realization of, no, I'm not just lazy in bed. No, I'm actually doing something for my body. I'm, I'm coming back down from the high of just running and getting stuff done to just calm maybe some meditation, maybe some yoga and just giving my body what's what it needs rather than giving my business what it needs does advance my business too. And do I still feel bad once in a while when I just take a weekend off? Yeah, that's just me and my personality. But am I going to beat myself up for the next two weeks because about it? No, because it's not productive. There is no reason for that. How did you learn that lesson? The hard way. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of (laughs) figured. 
it it yeah learning that lesson comes back to pete um when we were in the middle of cancer it was day to day there was no planning it was really just a survival mode and coming out of that survival mode i somewhat had a meltdown but not a meltdown as freaking out and screaming more a meltdown of my body i pretty much what happened afterwards i had to move i had to wrap everything up luckily i had friends and i'm finally in my new place and i'm looking at the walls and i'm like oh my god i survived this and i just crashed i was out for a couple of weeks didn't really touch business or anything and i just had to get my energy back where my body just decided you know what screw you you went on on small battery life for the last two years yes i'm i'm giving you the bill now it's it's time for you to just rest binge watch netflix for all the shows that you haven't watched the last two years and just take a break and luckily i had friends that allowed me to do so and i had a couple things in place on my business that allowed me to do so and i just had to do it and yes there were a couple couple moments after that where i stretched the level of my body's possibilities a little bit luckily i got a warning shot and my body said again hey uh uh we are not doing this and with a couple of those warning shots i just got to the point of you know what i am not helping my business and i'm not helping my goals if I run down my own own body to a point of total exhaustion, because if I get to that point, I'm out for a week or two and can't do anything or more. That is, and yeah, or more. And and that is more time than if I just take a day off right now and enjoy myself. So there, there comes the calculation again on being efficient. I'm just being efficient, taking the day off today because I know exactly if I run for another month, I'm going to be out for a week or two or even worse. Exactly. And I think, I mean, it, that's, that's very long-term vision of you. You know, it sounds very like day-to-day, but I think there's a lot of people that will will just run themselves into the ground. And even though their body is giving them all of these messages, or I love your use of the word warning shot, because I think a lot of people that have been under prolonged chronic stress know what exactly what you mean by a warning shot. I guess my question for you is, because you're someone who seems like you really deeply love your work. It is really enmeshed in who you are and and what you believe. Mm-hmm. How were you able to step back? Like, what was going on inside? Because there's like, your body's kind of like, uh-uh, you're done. Have a seat for a little bit. You know, your heart, I'm sure, at that point was like, okay, we're done too. Have a seat for a little bit. <laughs> But I imagine, I imagine the message in your brain was probably a little bit different. And I, I think what I hear sometimes working with type A overachievers, right? I mean, because that's what a lot of the population I work with is, there's this notion of 
my business will collapse. Everything I've built will be gone. Everything I dream of will be gone if I take a break for two weeks, if I take a break for a month and just check out and let my body heal the way it needs to. Hmm. What was it like for you inside your head? Um, fun, funny you mentioned that because that's another part of my business. Um, if your business breaks down because you take a day or a week off, you haven't set up your business right. I'm sorry to be that straight up. Your business is supposed to be able to run at least for a small amount of time without you. As coaches and consultants, that can be difficult. I get that because it's us that that is the business. But there are ways to keep your business running while you are off. You need to be at a point where your business can do that. And again, because of the experience I had with Pete, I know how much that can be a make or break where there might be points where you have to, and not even because of you, take time off where life is just, you know what, I'm throwing this stone at you and go deal with it. And that's where things should be in place for you to be able to do that. But even if those things are in place, we are those mind people of, oh my God, is that all going to work out how I planned this to do? Can I really take off? I don't want to take off. I like what I'm doing. And it's like, I'm going through the same mind issues that everybody else does. And where I, what helps me to be able to take time off is first of all, knowing I have things in place that take care of my business without me having to touch it. But also if I don't take the time off, I am not delivering the quality for my clients that they deserve. If I am not at my best, they can't be at their best. To be at my best, I have to take time off and I have to take care of myself. Boom. I love it. I want to double down on everything you just said right there. It's so important. And it's I'm I'm looking around and I'm seeing so many people that yeah, that are their business and they have nothing in place, not even an associate that in the worst case could jump in and take care of some things. If you have to, you don't know what's going to lie, what you don't know what life is going to throw at you. So did we plan for cancer? Hell no. Nobody <laughs> does that. Nobody but does. Life just, just throws this crap at you and you got to deal with it. So especially solopreneurs that are so focused on, especially in the beginning of making your business work, growing your business and paying the bills. I'm like, that's what it comes down to, especially when you when you start working and you made that big step, step of being self-employed. It's like, oh, my God, bills are coming in. How am I going to pay that? I can't take a day <laughs> off. Starting and, and I remember so many, those days early on. Oh, those cold sweat nights where it's like, oh, my God, that bill is due tomorrow. How am I going to do this? We've all been there. So there are small steps that you can do from the beginning on to ensure, even if it's just a few bucks that takes care of your Starbucks in the beginning, there are ways and there are tools and things you can get in place from the first day on you have your business 
to make some money without you having to do much or nothing at all. That's important. I mean, that's a huge, it's a huge lesson you had to learn mm-hmm. the incredible hard way about having a, having a business be able to withstand anything. And the fact that you've really like paired that with your skill set is, is really cool to see. No, I, I don't think I actually did it. It's kind of like just looking what's needed and it just, it, it just naturally happened to work together like this. Like I, I had never planned to be where I am today. I know where I want to be in five to 10 years and my stay today just happened along the way, to be honest. And so you've just been able to sort of seamlessly kind of weave these loose in these loose ends into your, into your business, into your lifestyle. If, if you want to call it, the universe is just putting me in my place or if it's just listening to what's needed, what my clients need, it's 10 years ago, I never thought I'm going to build websites and help people streamline their business and and sometimes just get over themselves and get stuff done. I would have laughed about you. It's like, yeah, me, me, really? No. <laughs> Mm-mm. Says, it, says the pub owner, like, mm-hmm. upset about about the smoking rule, right? Yeah, it's... It, <laughs> I'm just following the path and see what's needed and combine that with my passion. And it just so happens to put me at where I am today. It sounds like you also have this sense of play within your work. Is that a, is that a fair statement? Is that the right word to use? Hmm, that's getting a little bit lost in translation. I'm not 100% sure how you mean play in my work. It just seems like you're having so much fun. Like you're kind of just like out living and experiencing life, you know, good and bad. Like you're sort of, you're taking whatever's coming at you and you're like, okay, I can extract this skill from this. I can extract this story from this. Ooh, here's a lesson right here. And you're kind of grabbing it. But it seems like you're really, it doesn't seem to get you down. And maybe it does. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe this is just like you're showing up all together and awesome and never having a messy moment. But it it just, there seems to be a lightness. And maybe that's what I'm getting at with the word play or playful. Um, I'm like, the good thing right now is we're doing a podcast and not a, a vodcast because my hair is messy today. <laughs> I am not perfect. And I do have my moments. I have my down days where I'm like, what the fuck? Seriously, people? <laughs> Just like everybody else. Um, we all have those moments and my down days and just just being mad at everybody and everything. I have those too. I really do. And to me, what you just described, yes, exactly. I'm looking for lessons in everything and asking the question of why is this happening to me, but not in a sense of why me, more in a sense of, okay, why? There is a reason why I am in this situation right now. 
why the situation is how it is because I am supposed to learn something out of this. Um, things happen to us because we are supposed to learn something from it. We are supposed to evolve in a certain emotion. I hate when people are saying this, but it's true. Everything happens for a reason. It might be a pain in the ass once you are in it. <laughs> But when you look back on it, I wouldn't be who I am today and where I am today if I wouldn't have been a caretaker for two years. When I was in it, hell no, I didn't want to be there. There was nothing about that that was exciting or fun. But it got me to a point to where I had to realize tomorrow is not a given. So I am not going to waste my time on being mad about something or being mad at somebody. We are all just in this for the ride. So let's just make the best of it. Absolutely. And Evie, you don't know about this. And actually, a lot of the listeners may not know this story of mine. But like, I totally know what you mean about life serving us sometimes a shit sandwich. And <laughs> we eat it and it tastes horrible. And we kind of have to choke it down. And But there is, it was served to us for a reason. And and how these shit sandwich moments in life can really change us. But in my mid early to mid-20s, there was a period of about three years where I lost eight family members and friends Ooh. for various reasons. And some were sick and some were old and some it was a complete shock. And... You know, I look back and I think about like starting my business years later. And I have to say, all of it started in the last six months of that period. You know, I watched my dad die of cancer over a month. So it was very quick. It was like found out on July 1st and he passed away on August 1st. And then I think it was probably six or nine months later, I lost a childhood friend who was my age to cancer. Oof. And the one-two punch of those things really confirmed for me and really helped free up a lot of stuff. Like, why am I in this job that I hate? Why am I not using my God-given skills in a way that's more uplifting and useful in mm. in some way? Like, you know, I don't want to say... the. It feels very lofty to say the work that I do is world-changing, but it, it certainly changes the world of some of my clients. Um. But I think without that reminder that, you know, we think we have a whole big long life in front of us. And, you know, I think back to my friend Noodle. That was his nickname. His real name was Pat. But I think back to my friend Noodle and it's like he thought just like the rest of us that he was going to have, you know, 75 more years to walk on this earth. And he died at 26 years old. And these moments in life, although they're horrible to go through. I can only imagine what it was like for you to be a caretaker for two years are really the things that catapult us to who we need to be and how we need to show up in the world. Yes. And um, just like what you have experienced is exactly the same that I have experienced and that I think nearly everybody that has experienced loss yeah, that has experienced loss, has learned, quote, that lesson, as bad as it sounds. Um, and 
I'm actually talking with a lot of people of trying to figure out how we can take that realization that we had. Like we got shown right there of, hey, you don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. To people, I would love to get that experience to people without them having to go through that trauma, without having to experience that loss, but having that aha moment of, dude, you are in a job you hate. You are miserable every single day just because you want to make your retirement and be safe in retirement. And you don't even know if you're going to make it there. Why the hell are you doing this? And we got to this point because of the trauma. Now, if we could do this and show this experience to people without them having to have that trauma, oh, my God, that would make my world. It would be amazing if there, it, you know, that would be probably second to being able to take a pill for sleep, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if they could somehow compress a night's sleep into a single like bite-sized morsel that maybe mm-hmm. tasted like chocolate, you know, the next best thing would be like, could we take these incredibly traumatic experience and give people the hindsight and the benefit of those experiences without having to to swallow the medicine, so to speak? Like- before this experience, I was exactly there. It's like, oh, yeah, I have time. We can just do that next year. Hell no. I'm not waiting anymore. I'm not waiting to have my 40th birthday to jump out of a perfectly plane or I'm not going to stop on an experience because I'm afraid of it. It's like I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to push through and and do what I want to do because I don't know if I can do it tomorrow. Powerful, powerful, powerful stuff. And Evie, you you mentioned that like you have your messy days and that as I talk to you right now, your hair is crazy. And mine kind of is too. So I'm right there with you. Thank God for audio Skype. Um, But I, I wanted to ask you some questions that I like to ask every guest. And the one that the one that's really calling to me right now is when you most need inspiration where do you go or what do you do? There there are three things. So one of them is, as I already mentioned, just taking my dog out and going into nature and doing that. Um, another one is the gym. Going out and just getting my body moving. But when it comes to real inspiration, talking with people. I love talking with people. Just jump on the phone for half an hour or an hour and just talk with them. That gives me the energy and that's where my ideas most of the time happen. Next to taking a shower. (laughs) (laughs) And there there are waterproof notepads that you can put in your shower, by the way. Priceless. Whoa, I want a link to that, please. (laughs) It's like... Other people have the whole bathroom where they are sitting for a while and ideas just pop in their head. For me, it's the shower. Me too. Um, but yeah, talking talking to people on the phone, There's that's why I have a just meet Evie for a virtual coffee chat right on my website. Anybody at any time can just schedule a call with me for 15 minutes, half an hour. And just talk with people, just hear the struggles they are going through or their successes that they have right now. 
that's what inspires me and that's what what sparks new ideas and and just gets me going that's awesome evie can i ask a follow-up question for that Mm -hmm. so i tend to work with clients in terms of health and lifestyle where i use the acronym dress and it's looking at diet and rest and exercise and stress management and social relationships And social relationships, one of the things that comes up in my sessions and comes up in even just conversations with my own friends is how hard it is to stay connected with people. Like as we get older and as, you know, we're both similar in that we don't have kids for me yet. Um, And I think, you know, some of my friends that have kids are like, it is so hard just to even like talk on the phone. How do you make sure that happens? I mean, is that a struggle for you? Hmm. You know me. I am the honest German. I'm calling bullshit on it. I'm sorry. We are in 2017, and I'm guilty of it. Following up with with friends and, and other people that I care about, I'm guilty of it. Don't get me wrong. I'm completely guilty of being bad at it. But we are in 2017. We have Facebook Messenger. We know we follow people on Facebook and know their life and we have never met them face to face or maybe not even have talked to them, but we know their whole life. We can jump on a text message. We can talk with them in their Facebook status on our own time or Facebook Messenger. We have so many tools that allow us to not have to jump on an hour phone call and spend that hour and still stay in connection with people, that there is no excuse to not stay in connection. And I'm not talking about you have to follow up with them every day or every week. People are fine just hearing from you once a month or every other month, and there are different levels of connection. But if you really put the effort in, you have the tools to stay in connection with people. And as harsh as I sound with it, I'm guilty of it too, because there comes my question in again, okay, um, they're busy with their children and everything. They're in a different part of their life than I am. There are some, some people that might not be high up in my ranking of, hey, I really want to follow up with them every week. I might just want to talk with them every other month, but we do have the tools to do so. The question is, are we making the decision of, is that important to us or not? And then there are people that cross our path just for a certain amount of time, and they're not meant to stick around. They're just meant to teach us a lesson. There is no reason to feel bad to not stay in contact with them. Things change. Life changes. Um, personalities do change and there is no reason to beat yourself up if there is a person in your life that as bad as it sounds for lack of a better description has done their job has taught you the lesson you needed to learn and you just move on to a different circle of friends there's no reason to beat yourself up for that there is this saying um, how does it go there are people in our life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Oh, I've never heard that. And I, mm-hmm. I really, that really resonates with me. Yep. It's, and it, it comes down to don't feel bad if somebody is not on your number one list to follow up with. 
maybe they were just here for a reason and to teach you something. And then there will be people that you might not talk talk with for months and then you run into each other and it's like you were never apart and they are part of your season. Or there are people of a lifetime where I have just a couple of those that I've known for what feels like centuries and we don't talk for a year or two and then suddenly we get back into contact. But again, there is no reason to beat yourself up. It, it matters where they are on your priority list. You have the tools there, there are so many ways of staying in contact with people. And even if it's just a like on on their new kids' pictures, you are still staying in contact with them. And it's easier nowadays than it has been 20 years ago. It's a great point. And, you know, something that I've noticed as I've been traveling more in the last few years, um, you know, especially having my business structured as it is, like I can work from hotel rooms and I can work from different time zones and it's, you know, it's, it's totally doable. And I have found it interesting, you know, as I travel, like using Facebook or things like that, like, hey, I'm in Austin this week, or hey, I'm in Durham, North Carolina. And I get to crisscross with friends from like all different parts of my life, because I'm just like randomly in their city for, you know, a few days. And it, you know, it was interesting, I had a trip, um, a little, while back a handful of weeks ago that you know in a couple day period this last minute trip that I, I ended up getting snowed out of where I was supposed to be going and decided to join my husband on one of his business trips <laughs> for a couple of days in the south and managed to see a friend from a, a job that was my last job in finance before I completely cut over to having my own business and you know that was such a a great experience and getting to meet her boyfriend and, you know, hear about everything going on in her world. And then also, you know, the night before getting to see a friend from kindergarten where it was like, I was able to go see the kids and, you know, help her put them to bed and read them a story. And then really just have a few hours of face to face time with someone I've known since I was about five years old. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's great like when we can use that technology to like help facilitate those moments and really build that social connection. And I, I love what you're saying about really like stepping up and, and making that a priority because I could have just busied myself with work and everything that I needed to do or, you know, the fact that when you're in a new city, you got to figure out where you're going to eat breakfast. You got to figure out where you're going to eat lunch and, where, you know, how, where is there a good internet that you can return this client email you know, and, and all of like those kinds of challenges. And I think it's, it's really rewarding. And I, I love that you bring up that, that connecting with people like one on one, whether it be by phone or by face, is such a drive for you, because I think it's something we forget about sometimes, you know, we, we think about like, call so and so. And, you know, and then like the agony around it, like, well, it's been so many years since I talked to them, do they even want to hear from me? And, you're not going to know till you make that phone call. Exactly. Exactly. So I've been really trying to embrace just like, hey, I'm in your city. If you can meet up, awesome. No pressure if you can't. <laughs> you know, let's let's see if we can work something out. And it's it, it's always been such a great experience. So thanks for thanks for reminding me. And I, I think reminding us all the importance of people in our life. 
And I'm, I'm doing the same thing. Um, I have a trip planned going to San Diego by the end of the month. Finally meeting some people that I met online that I have never seen face to face. And I just put the call out. It's like, okay, peeps in San Diego, who do I have to meet? <laughs> who are those local people that I just have to meet? And I already started scheduling out some some lunch dates and coffee chats and all kinds of things because I'm like, you just... And again, it, it doesn't even make a difference if it's just a face-to-face Skype call or if I'm in your area and I'm sitting down with you for a coffee. Um, I had work sessions with a friend of mine where I had Google Hangouts on one screen and working on the other screens and we were just silencing at each other, not even talking, just working. And then suddenly it's that, hey, what do you think about that? And we started talking again and we were on a hangout call for three hours, but barely talking (laughs) 10 of those. Um, We have the technology today. It's It's really not that difficult on the technical aspect. It is difficult when it comes to us. Again, I'm guilty of it too. I get my head down. I get cranking on my work on my businesses and getting shit done and suddenly the month is over and I'm like oh I was supposed to follow up with that person because we are supposed to meet for coffee whoops that happens and there's no reason to feel bad about it we all do it just make the effort and all is going to be fine nice great great words for inspiration and Evie I know this is a giant question for someone like you what is your favorite tool app gadget or resource what's completely indispensable to you hmm it's gonna sound like a sales call my planner and I still feel bad about it actually doing that um because it's I'm going nowhere without my planner at this point it's that's all centered around but because I hate making sales pitches. And <laughs> but I, I think it's a big part not, of your process. We, ha- we can't deny is. that. It is. Um, but because I hate making sales pitches, one tool that is not mine that I haven't come up with that I couldn't live without is the same you are using, and that's Acuity. It's yeah. our scheduling software. Um, it makes my life so much easier and saves me so much time. I don't get why why not everybody has it. Yeah, you know, as you say this, I it probably wouldn't be the first thing to come to mind, but I I I really do agree with you. It has made my life easier, especially when I get the the random people that reach out that I don't know that I'm like, "Are you going to be a client? Are you are we talking about work stuff?" You know, like and then just saving all the agony of how's Tuesday at three and, and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really, it really, I, I, I don't even know if I can quantify how much time it saves me in an average week, but it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's, it saves me pretty much half an hour per client easily. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I can believe it. It sounds like you're a reader as well. And I'm, I'm probably like a book a week kind of person. Oh, you're better than I am. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty rabid. I read everything. Like, I you know, if there's new shampoo in the shower or there's, I mean, I just read everything. It's sort of a, 
it's probably bored. It's like just shy of the unhealthy level of obsession. I love reading anything that I can possibly get my hands on. Do you finish? Because that's my problem. Yes. I don't. There are probably only a handful of books in my life that I haven't powered all the way through. I see. I don't. That's the funny thing with me. I have a whole bunch of books and I have not finished most of them because I read for things that I want to evolve in or that are on my needing to learn list right now. Um, and I'm get, I get to the point of, Ooh, that's the solution. That's what I need to do. And then the book goes back on the shelf for a few months. And then at some point it comes back out and we got a little bit more reading and, Ooh, need to reiterate that and need to follow up on that. And then it goes back on the shelf. And then a few months later it comes back out. <laughs> oh my, that's like an anxiety dream. Just hearing you describe that. And it's like, oh, my God, that's probably going to be like the new like teeth falling out dream for me. Um, so uh, so of all of these books, what's one of the most inspiring or the most useful books you've ever read? Go for the No. Ooh, tell me about it. Go for the No is actually one of the books that I read completely because it's a cute little fairly short, fast read. And it gets down to the point of, you know, how we often get new clients in and we'll take our time with it. And one day, two days, three days down the road, because we are afraid of the client saying no, we, we, we wiggle our way through it and trying to sell ourselves. And you know that? That one right there? We all I, do it? I used to. Now I'm like, I'd rather have less clients but ones that really fit as opposed to the ones that are going to burn my battery out fast and that's part of it where that book goes towards to is stop wasting your time with trying to convince a client to work with you really you're going to spend three days on trying to convince them that you are the right person that you can help them he'll know just go for the no go for the no get a decision out of them and move on. Brilliant. So that sounds like it really appeals to your, I'm just not going to waste time with this. Like you're, mm-hmm. I always, I always joke with my husband when he's, when he's like in my way or, you know, like lollygagging or something, get in or get out. <laughs> exactly. And it, it feeds back into what you said. It's you want to work with clients that want to work with you. That's the extent of go for the no, because if they're going for the no, they don't want to work with you. If they say, hey, no, can't do this, they do not want to work with you. And we can't deliver what we want to deliver because they are not as receptive as they, as they would be if they want to work with us. That's, yes. the, that's the extension of that book. Where The book just goes for... Don't waste your time with a client. Just go for the no. If they say no, okay, move on. Look for the next one. But the the um, the extent of running our business as we want to and work with people as we want to, that's that's the extent of the book. Not that he's talking about it, though. Got it. Got it. So I'll make sure there's a link to that, too. Thank you. And Evie, these next few questions are a little bit of a different tact 
but I really love asking women this question. Mm. How would you define being a modern woman? Oi. <laughs> I'm going to make some people not be my friends on this one. <laughs> I love your, like, no bullshit attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, it... To me, modern women are not what what feminists seem to have become. How so? What I what I mean with that, and I do not remember where I read that article, but it it outlined it really well. I love how women nowadays are empowered. How we go for what we want to do. We run our own business, and. Uh, have our struggles with that too. Um, but the the point of where we used to call feminism our movement and getting shit done and, and being ourselves, it seems to have moved into a point where we cut the balls off of our poor guys. <laughs> Trying to find that balance, and I actually have a blog post about this on my blog where where I struggle with this myself. I have my own business. I have three businesses for that matter. I have an awesome guy next to me that has his own job and is doing amazing there. He has the life he wants, and he wants to spoil me just as much as I do. But in my head, I'm like, I don't want you to pay the bill. I can open up the door for you, too. You don't have to do that. So where, where I see modern, modern women nowadays and where I would love to see them is having that balance of being strong. We are our own boss. We live our own life. And we are secure enough in ourselves to let our guys still be the guy, if that makes sense. Got it. So that's what you'd love to see women give more of a shit about. On the flip side, what would you like to see modern women give less of a shit about? What other people think about us. <laughs> this seems to be the, the, the popular answer on this show. And it's... I am... I am all about living your life what you see right. Talking about women, a lot of my friends hate wearing a bra. <laughs> I, for a change, like wearing a bra. I like that they stay where they are supposed to stay. That doesn't mean I'm going to bitch at you for not liking to wear a bra. It's, that's how you want to live. As long as you let me live how I want to live. And that's that's a funny, simple explanation of that. But it's taking it to business. It was interesting watching Gary V change his approach. He was always like, hustle, hustle, hustle. If you work for it, you will reach your goal. And he had to backpedal a little bit on it um, to come back to balance. And that's, that's where my belief is. It's all about balance. Um, where people started saying, yeah, but I need to take some time off. I actually like playing my video games. And watching him now talk about how everything is about balance and don't beat yourself up if you spend two hours playing video games and that's exactly what you needed and you are content with that, 
perfect. So long story short, coming back around, nobody can live your life. Nobody has the experiences you do. Nobody had the struggles you had to go through. This is your life. Live it how you want to. It's none. It's nobody else's business how you do that. If that makes sense. It totally makes sense. It totally makes sense. And I feel like that was a bit of a mic drop. And then I usually, I usually give all of my guests this chance at the end of the show to express what they most want to to Levital Core Salon listeners. And it sounds like that was a big piece of what you'd have to say. Is there anything else that you want to add? No, I'm like, yeah, I pretty much went right into my mic drop, didn't I? <laughs> I um, love it. I love it. it yeah, for me, it really is about balance in life and living your life how you want it. All we can do is help you make it happen. Nice. Nice. And Evie, please let women know how they can learn more about you and your work. What's the best way for them to do that? Um, you can find pretty much anything and everything I am doing and links to all of the social and all of that. Um, right on my website, which is askevie.com. That's A-S-K-Y-V-I.com. Cool. And everything is right there. And I'll make sure they have all of your social links and stuff like that in the blog post. But Evie, thank you so much for being here and for opening up your story so that we can all learn from it. It sounds like you've been deeply mining for lessons your whole life and I'm incredibly grateful that you showed up here and shared some of those with us. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me and let me babble on. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly babbling, my friend. Hardly babbling. Well, thank you so much and have a great day. This is Kara again, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. All of today's show notes can be found at levitalcoresalon.com. So that's any names we mentioned, any resources we mentioned. They're all right there, so you don't have to worry about scribbling stuff down. It's already typed out and easily clickable for you. If you dug today's show or even a past show, Please support La Vital Course Salon. One of the best ways you can do that is by going to iTunes and rating and leaving a short review. It literally takes a couple of minutes, but it will help other people find this show. And new shows will be up on the second and fourth Wednesdays of each month. So if you're wondering what that timing is, that's what it looks like. And before I bounce, I want to give a big merci beaucoup to my producer, Craig Snyder, and to Rishi Deer of Elephant Stone for writing, and the High Dials for performing my most excellent theme song and all the music you hear. And don't forget, you deserve a life spiked with passion and slathered with joy. Don't let burnout or bullshit slow you down. See you next time.